you fucking following for me? Okay. Nah, don't look, don't. Stay straight, motherfucker. Stay straight. Look at man. You went to you went to film camp, didn't you? Yeah. All right, now. What's your fucking name? Uh, Godfrey. All right. This is her double squirt. You can listen. We fucking lost. You think you can get us back to TTFT Studio? Um. Yeah. All right, all right. Now check this out. Uh, look here, man. Look. There's a little roll in this uh, little Jonah Hill flick coming up, you know what I'm saying? Your skin is perfect for a little racism. You know? Oh, yeah, you think so? Yeah, yeah, listen. Do the right thing, we'll look out for you. We're gonna make this shit happen. I'm gonna get the map. Next thing you know, TTFT. Woo! All right, good talk. Yeah, so I've been watching a lot of YouTube a lot, like to the point that Angela is even like, you are watching way too much YouTube, but the thing is is that I think that we could do something like that and actually make it lucrative for us. Shit, man. You've been, you been talking to me this whole time? Shit. Anybody who's listening. Season two, how are you, TTFT? And that makes eight. If it's free, give me three. How you feeling, D? I am feeling very, very, very ready. I'm ready to go right now. And you know I'm ready to go to? Where? Welcome to the jungle. What jungle am I talking about? Oh, the jungle of Tropic Thunder. Oh, guys, if you're not here for this, hey. It's on you. Welcome to episode two of season two of That Is The Fucking Trailer. Hello, internets. I am Mr. Royal, and this is... Mr. Godfrey. We are very happy to be here today. Check out our Patreon page right up the top. I'm just going to get that out of the way. Go to our Patreon. Get the episodes early. Get them uncensored. Subscribe. Like, share. All that good stuff. Um, I don't really have anything else for the, for the uh, Hello Internets today. Well, I just want to say hello one more time to the internet. And I want to say hello to, when I say hello to the internet, it means something different today. Let's say hello to controversy because the internet apparently has become the new version of Siskel and Ebert. They can destroy or raise a movie up into heights. And this movie laid in our hearts from 2008 until now, about maybe a year or two ago, the controversy came. But we'll get into that later. So, yeah. what again, hello, internets. All right, let's get into the elevator pitch. Listen, this is the most ironic elevator ever because, hey, it's only going down in this movie. It never goes up. It only goes down in Tropic Thunder. You're talking about four pre-prima donna, pompous, Hollywood satire, mother bad motherfuckers get, doing a movie about doing a motherfucking movie, and they are in the shit. They took these boys and they put them in the shit. Yeah, this is a movie that we have, like, we watch religiously we yes. quote religiously yes and it felt like just another right, weekend right, come on man speak that shit out <laughs> it felt like just another weekend to put the to put this movie on and enjoy it i think the best and quickest summary of tropic thunder comes from an anonymous poster on imdb saying through a series of freak occurrences a group of actors shooting a big budget war movie are forced to become the soldiers they are portraying that that pretty much sums up the movie in a nutshell but let's throw it over to Brandon so we can really sink our teeth in the Tropic Thunder before we dive all the way in. Brandon. A. B. You're up. Tropic Thunder is a movie about people who shouldn't be in the same room together for that long being stuck in the jungle with each other. For a ridiculous reason. 
So we open with like four different trailers and or advertisements. The first one is an advertisement for booty sweat and bust and nut bars. So they kind of like set up all their character developments to tell you like what kind of actors we're dealing with for this film. Like right off the get-go. So you have Al Pacino who's, uh, I, I, I guess he just makes money. I don't know. I don't know if he's an actor. I don't know if he's like a entrepreneur. I don't know what this dude is. I just know that he loves the pussy. After that one comes up a, uh, <laughs> an action adventure flick starring um, Tug Speedman who is played by Ben Stiller. And it's called Scorcher Six. It's basically making fun of um, the fact that there's like the, the the fact that there's like a billion Fast and the Furious movies, or there's like a billion Mission Impossible movies, and it's kind of funny because Tom Cruise is actually in this film later on. Oh, oh yeah, who left the fridge open? It's so stupid. And then you get to Jeff Portnoy, who is uh, played by Jack Black, acted his fucking dick off in this movie. By the way, you see a trailer for Fatties Two. Uh, Fatties Two is a play on the Clumps, I think, for the most part. We're like. Jeff Portnoy and or Jack Black play like six different characters. A, a bullshit, I guess, family movie about farts. After that trailer's done, uh, you get to Satan's Alley, which is the prequel to the first Spider-Man movie. Two gay men in, in the, I guess, the ranks of priesthood or monkdom. And uh, that's something. <laughs> it, it was it was a Spider-Man prequel we all deserved. <laughs> <laughs> Out of all three of those trailers, I would watch Satan's Alley before I'd watch Fatties 2 or Scorcher 6. And then you get a narration card that says like, Out of the ten men who went into the jungle, only four came home. Out of those four, three wrote books. Out of those three books, two got published. One of them only got a movie deal. This is the story of the people that tried to make that movie. So we open on a helicopter, ball of uh, confusion by the Temptations is playing. The scene unfolds on itself throughout that whole sequence and then eventually gets to a point where Kirk Lazarus has to do a scene with Tug Speedman. Tug can't cry. And that's a big fucking deal. So, uh, because the directors can't really wrangle the fucking cast, because uh, he's a first-time director, it results in Danny McBride's character, Cody, blowing up an entire tree line, and that shot was $4 million that literally just got fucking wasted in one take. I gotta go potty. You hold my dick? So this, this fucking botching of this scene leads to a meeting with uh, Les, the studio head, who is played by Tom Cruise. So Tom Cruise has a key grip punch uh, Cockburn in the face. Where's that limey fuck director? While there's this meeting going on, there's a party outside, and before the party, Tug is on the phone with his agent, like most actors do after a nice day of shooting. He conveys the idea that didn't go as well as he wanted to, and blah, 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 blah. Rick, who's played by Matthew McConaughey, and he is really weird. This is where the subplot starts. Jeff Portnoy, to do this film, was, like, hardly insurable because he's apparently, like, a heroin, cocaine, and glue, and I don't even know what the third one is on him, and he was arrested. And it's kind of funny, the parallel between Robert Downey Jr. in real life and Jeff Portnoy. Portnoy in Tropic Thunder. There was a long time there where Robert Downey Jr. wasn't insurable by, to like make movies. So he had to forfeit his actual like what he was going to be paid to do the movie to be in the movie. We cut back to like Cockburn freaking out trying to wrangle his actors trying to have like an impromptu actors meeting because he's a rookie director. He's freaking the fuck out and his actors being little shitheads. He went over to the beach, drank some booze and then Fourleaf who is for leaf wrote the book that this fake film that they're shooting has been made based off of and he sound, he's ba speaks in riddles he's basically that fucking dude from jaws all over again for leaf suggests that if you want to make this movie right then you got to take these like actors into the fucking jungle rig the jungle and like have them just go at it and so 
they do that. Cut to the next day. Cockburn, they all fly into the jungle. They all get to this like patch of like conveniently pushed out, pushed down grass in the middle of the fucking jungle. Cockburn does his like Jesus Christ superstar bit, calls them all bitches and tells them they gotta nut up or shut up and they gotta fucking do it, right? He explodes. At this point, the helicopter's flown away with Cody and Nick Nolte's character, Four Leaf. They fly the fuck away. They heard an explosion. So they're like on the radio trying to get a hold of Cockburn and be like, Cockburn, Cockburn. He's not gonna reply. The actors think this is all just a part of the fucking like bit. Meanwhile, actual Vietnamese rebels are in the tree line watching this happen. And they're like, what the fuck is wrong with these people? You get more calls on the radio from uh, Cody. And he's like, hey man, I'm, 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 I'm... That's when the rebels start open firing on our cast to retaliate because they still think they're in a movie. Start shooting blanks into the fucking tree line. And then Cody hears all that shit, but he hasn't gotten like a go from Cockburn. So he waits for a few seconds. Then he blows the tree line that the uh, rebels are in, causing them to retreat. So they start following the map. They gotta get to their next scene location. <sighs> Danny McBride and Four Leaf Clover, dude, they get out of the helicopter and they start fucking looking for like something. And that's when they stumble upon Cockburn's blown the fuck up body. Four Leaf actually has hands. He doesn't have hooks for hands. Portnoy needs jelly beans. And this is when Kurt and Tug talk about Simple Jack. This is the never go full retard scene. And it talks about Sean Penn, and Forrest Gump, Forrest Gump, charm the pants off anybody. <laughs> Olympic champion, war hero, then it retarded. And he just like goes off and he's totally right about all of it. We cut back to Cody and Four Leaf and that's when they get captured by the Vietnamese rebels. Four Leaf, Never went to Vietnam. He was like in sanitation on the Coast Guard during Vietnam. He never went to Vietnam, and everything that he wrote about in this book is a fucking lie. This is when the cast starts to argue over the map. Sandusky is the only character in the film that actually knows how to fucking read a map. Everybody else is kind of fucking stupid because they're actors. So they don't know dick about shit. Portnoy is kind of weird and starting to have him withdraw withdrawals a little bit. You OD'd! Ah! Jack Black. <sighs> Kirk Lazarus walks up to Sandusky. He's like, hey, man, I ain't got to pee. And he just starts, like, emptying, emptying out the canteen. He's like, yo, so uh, you're the only one that went to did all, learned all the, how to do all this shit, right? And he's like, yeah. He's like, hey, uh, what if I got you that map and you could read the map and tell us how fucking lost we are? And he's like, yeah. Tug walks up to Sandusky. He's like, hey, man, I ain't got to pee. So they're doing the pee thing. And then I'm like, yeah, jungle montage, Vietnam. And then they just, like, cut it off a little bit short. While they're crossing the river in this scene, Kirk is, like, talking to Tug and kind of, like, like stroking his ego a little bit when he's like, yeah, you kind of look like not remember Rambo. He looks kind of puffy in the beginning of Rambo, and then Rambo two he comes back. He's all shredded, stroking his ego, and Tug's like, yeah, yeah, you think so? Yeah, you think so? Snatches that fucking map from him and hands it to Sandusky. Bro, we're fucking law. What the fuck? We went the wrong fucking way. The group parts ways. This is where we finally get our walking through the jungle montage. Yeah. Tug has been separated from the group, so at this point, he's like hiding in this little hut, and it's raining, and he looks all depressed. He's watching fucking Star Trek on his iPad, iPhone. It's not even iPhone, it's an iPod. He's watching it on like an iPod. He's watching, he's watching like Star Trek on an iPod. Kill the panda bear. This whole time, all of these actors still think they're in a movie and everything is still all like controlled. Tug Spiven's kind of lost it in this like, in this little hut wearing a fucking panda, panda head hat. It's kind of terrifying. He's actually captured by Vietnamese rebels. So now the rebels have Cody, Four Leaf, and Tug. Tug is finally brought to the leader of this like 
Vietnamese rebel camp and it's like a little child. And so they're just like beating the shit out of him, like blah, 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 blah. And then he's like whacking him with a fucking stick. He's like, please don't hurt me. The kid's like just stops in his tracks. He's like, what was that? These like heroin dealing Vietnamese rebels. The only movie that they ever had access to is a VHS tape of Simple Jack. Rick storms into Les's office about the fucking TiVo. Les's office gets a call from the Vietnamese rebels like, we have Simple Jack, you pay us whatever amount of money or we'll kill him. And Les is a piece of shit and he just like goes off and just starts being like, you cut. He thinks it's another studio. Meanwhile, Rick thinks that it's like another agency trying to steal his client, yelling at him, threatening him, calling a bunch of fucking mean names. So the rebels at this point decide that they're gonna make while they wait for the ransom money, they're gonna they're gonna decide to have Tux Peepman reenact Simple Jack every day. And so I guess he starts to lose his mind a little bit. <sighs> Portnoy is kind of indisposed. Sandusky's just trying not to get murdered in the jungle. Alpha and Kirk just having banter back and forth. They had one good role in this movie for a black guy, and they gave it to fucking Crocodile Dundee. Be Australian! I was I was a saucier down in San Antonio. <laughs> the whole like scene there is just it's primo portnoy's throwing up and he notices the camp because they've passed over the ridge at this point after walking through the fucking jungle for as long as they have i don't know it's a movie there's passages of time that we can't account for fuck it we see this camp it's like a heroin processing plant essentially they see tug speedman there getting dunked in water and be like oh shit what the fuck are we supposed to do night falls they're just like scouting it basically they're scouting the thing because they saw tug and they gotta go save tug so then they're like well how the fuck are we gonna break these dudes out and they're like let's just do it like they did it in the book and no, i didn't read the book you fucking read the book he's like no it's time to save tug robert Downey jr's character kirk is uh gonna be the distraction with jeff portnoy on the back of a bull they, they full withdrawing uh from heroin they throw him on the back of a fucking bull it distracts the guards enough to let alpha chino go save cody and four leaf and everybody's really weirded out that four leaf does actually has hands and doesn't have hook for hands anymore hand me those hooks and he's like man i'm not gonna use them again i swear <laughs> kirk lazarus's cover is about to be blown you want to know what kind of fucking farmer i am and he starts shooting like two m16s filled with blanks because there's no kick on any of these guns and he does the little cross thing it sits down and puts his head up he's like i'm a lead farmer motherfucker and he's blah 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 and that's when alpha comes up and he's like kind of guards them meanwhile kirk goes to try to get tug to then get to the helicopter get the fuck out of there cody and four leaf are basically rigging some places with explosives so that way they can make an escape they rig the bridge kirk is trying to break through to tug and he's like i'm a dude disguised as a Dressed like a dude disguised as another dude. Kirk's character gets broken by Tug's character, who's been broken and wants to stay in the camp because the, he's happy that people like him as Simple Jack somewhere. Basically, these egos are so fragile uh, that they break all the time. Anyway, they finally figure out who the fuck they are after a, a minute or two, and it's time to get the fuck out of there because shit's going down. At this point, they gave Ben Stiller like a child to be adopted, and I don't know, he comes back in a few minutes. And he's like, I don't want to leave Half Squat. I love him. He's cool. And then he comes running back across the bridge with Half Squat on his back, stabbing him in the back over and over and over and over again. He eventually yeets this fucking child off of him. They get in the helicopter and they fuck off. Meanwhile, Les approaches Rick to be like, we're not going to pay the ransom, we'll just let him die. I mean, you can have a G5, or you can have Tug Speedman. And then we don't know what he thinks after that. It isn't until the very end, when the helicopter's rising, 
and there's an RPG focused in on the helicopter that all the actors and whatever's left of the crew is in. Meanwhile, Matthew McConaughey comes out of the the bushes in Vietnam. Hey, I got your TiVo! And he throws the TiVo up and blocks the RPG from blowing up the helicopter so they can get away. And that's Tropic Thunder. All right, man. Well, hey, listen, you got your work cut out for you next week. But yet again, ladies and gentlemen, if you don't know who this is, this guy's name's Brandon. <laughs> I've known this guy for 35 fucking years. And by 35 years, I mean, like, maybe like three years, actually. Sounds about right. So, guys, listen, he'll be back each and every week. Hey, Brandon, once again, tell them where they can find you at, man. Don't. <laughs> <laughs> All right. There we go. All right. There we go. I like it. Thank you very much, sir. No problem, man. Thank you all. Is that fucking salute? Uh, yeah, we're in the... We're in the... It's not how you salute. How? <clears throat> See what I did there? I made this look good. Oh, my... Oh, there we go. There we go. There we go. All right, all right, brother. Thank you so much, man. And that brings us to one of our most popular segments. We do our research. As you learned in season one, not only we do bring you, do we just bring you the show, it's not like we take people's information and just read it to you guys. No, we're doing our own research. And again, they say you have to quote two sources for it really to be a story. Well, here are your two right here. So Dave, tell us what you found this week. Wow, that long ass country. intro. And then as soon as I go to take a sip of the Coke, you, Dave. Uh, a sip or a snip? What are you doing? <clears throat> Both. Um, hey -o. Uh, yeah, so this is uh, this is just pretty much to get you into the headspace of when the film was released, what came out around that time, what they were working with to make it, and what the general reception was. So the release date was August 13th, 2008 in the U.S. Um, other films that came out around this time were Pineapple Express, so did the uh, Midnight Meat Train, and The Rocker and House Bunny would go on to join Tropic Thunder in cinemas. How the fuck did I miss so did the night the midnight meat train the midnight meat train yeah is that a that has to be rated x um i think it's a hard r <laughs> okay a hard r yeah that, and we know what that means is it six <laughs> not yet <laughs> uh, actually there's the the six rolls out the window on mlk day oh uh, thank you right, right, oh we would be remiss there we go hey, oh 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 fuck you you knew i was gonna say okay go ahead yeah uh, on this, uh, on the uh, around this time, August thirteenth, two thousand and eight. This was a Wednesday. Uh, this was a few short months before the end of George W. Bush's presidency, and a few short months from Barack Obama becoming the first African American to be elected president. Uh, CERN powered up the Large Hadron Collider in Geneva, Switzerland, the biggest scientific experiment in the history of mankind. Breaking Bad would premiere in 2008, along with the first film of the MCU, introducing Robert Downey Jr. to the world as Tony Stark. Can you say MCU for me one more time? MCU. <laughs> and lastly, a stoner won three gold medals, all in world record times in a single day during the Beijing Olympics. Are you talking about Michael Phelps? Yeah, the stoner. See, kids, smoke weed. You can you can go on to win the Olympics. Or if you don't inhale, become the president. That's true. All right. He inhaled. Yeah, he did. With a budget of ninety-two million, Tropic Thunder brought back almost twenty-six million in its opening weekend, with a worldwide gross to this date of nearly two hundred million. It runs at one hour and forty-seven minutes, or just over two hours if you're watching the director's cut. It's the most famous underrated film of all time. The mo yes, I would agree. Wait, the most famous underrated film of all time. That right. is a paradox of a statement. It is. It's basically, it's it should never have been underrated, but it's the king of underrated. When you talk about underrated, you should start that like, bro, 
you know why we'll talk about it. Yeah, yeah. that's why that's where I was coming from with it. That's fucks given. Yeah. Nah, no, 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 no. That's the flip side of that coin. <laughs> okay. <laughs> Lastly, it was filmed in California as well as Hawaii, where Ben Stiller has a residence from July to December of 2007. All right. And with all that said, Mr. Royal Lord of Connections. Let's move on to connections and hear those connections. Yes. Connections. This week's version of connections is brought to you by the composition notebook. Get you one. Put your thoughts in it. Put your mind in it. And you know what? Most importantly, put your behind in it. And I mean your ass, because if you don't, you'll be out on your ass. Popping ass open. I like that pussy. I like that pussy. You 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 brought up an acronym that I had never used, but I knew exactly what you were talking about last year, last week. Uh, JCBD. That was a JCVD reference, the Universal Soldier shirt that Danny McBride wears in the film. I did not notice the Universal Soldier shirt. That's awesome. No, because they, they, that was my that was like my fourth degree of separation from. I initially started with the opening of the film. The film opens with a uh, I call it the I have it right here. I call it the um, the, the Stallone Schwarzenegger opening. The opening of the film. I'm sorry, I'm talking about the true opening of the film when they put them in the shit. Mm -hmm. um, as Nick Nolte says, they do a Predator and a Rambo and even a platoon opening when they come into the whole jungle and everything. And I'm like, oh shit. And so as I was writing those things down, I'm like, shit, I'm looking at Danny McBride and he has on this Universal sh Soldier shirt, shirt, which is still a callback to the Predator because he John Claude Van Damme was the original predator yeah, in the suit. Guys, you, hey, listen, hey, hey, I don't know how much you're paying for tuition, but you can't afford us. So with that being said, also, I, oh, listen, uh, I wanted to bring this up very much. So like my, my connections went really, oh, let's talk about this as well. Now, Iron Man dressed as Black Panther. What I mean by that, after the one-week party, Robert Downey Jr., who plays Iron Man, mm -hmm. is talking to the director, Damian Cockburn. He's like, hey, man, hey, listen, I'll be on the first thing smoking. Get it? Hey, you're paying the basket. Like, he's saying all these things to him, but I'm looking at him. He's dressed like a Black Panther. So there's my Iron Man. Robert Downey Jr. has transcended from everything to Iron Man. Now he's Black Panther. Like, goddamn. And not only that, later on, they show him in that first scene when they get dropped in the shit. His helmet, the callback to, I like to think of Full Metal Jacket, where they all have either Joker or some crazy shit. His helmet has the big black fist on it. And I'm oh, like, what man. the? It's blowing my fucking mind. That's what I'm saying. Yeah. Like, I am. I don't know if you're prepared to know how far I've went. Look at me. I'm working for the show, brother. I'm not done. I'm not done, brother. We're still not there. Don't look at my notes. Just blind your eyes. Oh, Jesus Christ. We had just talked about this. Remember what we were talking about uh, this week? You like I have not seen, and this is confession to the show. Full transparency. I don't feel bad saying this. You're saying that as big as a film nerd as you are, a film student, that you had never seen the Mission Impossible's, mm -hmm. and there's certain things I haven't seen as well. But you, I, I don't think you can appreciate this reference right here. But you can appreciate because Tom Cruise would say this shit. But it's all Mission Impossible. They're playing on the plate. He says after he talks to the to the, the flaming dragon, and he hangs up the phone and says the most craziest disrespectful shit ever. He looks at everybody and says, we don't negotiate with terrorists. Like, bro, he went back to, that's the kid, that's every, that's him in every Mission Impossible. Like, what the fuck are you saying? She said it so proudly, too. We don't negotiate, and everybody's just. And the way he looks around at everybody, too, yeah, like, for the applause, like, yes, I did something David, admirable. David, I'm stepping it up even another level. There's no way I can, I can connect, I'm going to get you, sucker, and Tropic Thunder. Yeah, there's, there's no, no way. Have you seen it? Yes, I have. And There's I'm gonna no fuck way. with you. What did old boy tell him when he was like, hey man, he was like, he was like, he was like, 
He was like, I've never, Nick Nolte, I've never been outside the country. Danny McBride was like, what the fuck? He was like, he's like, I wrote the book. I was a patriot, goddamn. He's like, what did you do? I was in the Coast Guard sanitation duty. Oh, so I couldn't do it, David? I'm going to get you sucker. I thought you said you said, oh, hell, I'm number a secretary. We used to play paper football. He's like, yeah, I used to do it. There you go. There's your yeah. fucking connection, man. I am man. <laughs> hey, you ever wonder what point you gotta stop living up here and start living down here? Hold on. I, I, I know I'm running high. I know I'm running long, brother. But I'm sorry, there was, Jesus, man. Hey, my last one that I really brought because listen, guys. I understand Predator Two didn't get to make the season, but it, I didn't mean to make this connection. It just kind of happened here. But here's the thing. I know he's thinking there is no fucking way Tarion is fin to pull Predator Two. He just did. I'm gonna get you sucker and all this other shit, but. Predator 2, yes, there is a reference. How, David? I'll tell you how. Thank you. You're welcome, sir. Mm. I'm not going to get too deep into it because it goes into one of the other categories, but I'll just say this. Nick fucking Nolte. In Predator 2, Nick Nolte says that he, Nick Nolte is a special agent, and they've been studying the events of what happened from Predator 1 about what happened in the jungle. Those events happen around the late 60s, early 70s, maybe 80s. Mm -hmm. So in Tropic Thunder, Nick Nolte, of course, is old as hell, but it's a great cameo that he does. Not even a cameo because he's in it more than that. But he says this is a book of that. He's writing a book about what happened out of all these people. There were you hear in the beginning of the movie. There were so many people that that 10 people went, four people came back, three uh, wrote a book. This is the one person who attempted to. So he's a storyteller. So my point is this. If he's telling the story of Tropic Thunder, maybe he was telling the story of Predator as well. Because in Predator 2, he's saying, hey, we've been studying this. I was in the, like, he's been in the jungle. Like, oh, so you're you you you're a storyteller, but we'll get into that uh, later. So yeah, that's my I, connection. I like where you're going with that. Oh, I'm not done that's, yet. That's, I'll get there later. I, as will I, because uh, I, that that's a perfect segue. Awesome connections, Thank by you. the way. Thank a you. plethora. <laughs> I couldn't stop, man. I couldn't. What do you want me to do? No, I like it. Um, but that, that, that last connection is a perfect segue to my theory. So let's move on to Hear Me Out. All right, so Hear Me Out. What if Four Leaf isn't Four Leaf, but he's an imposter, a failed actor turned murderer? Now, at the beginning of the movie, like you said, it says two books were published about Four Leaf, about that whole situation. That means that the story was actually true. But we know that Four Leaf, or Nick Nolte, wasn't Four Leaf because he doesn't really have the hook hands. So that there's two facts here. The situation with Four Leaf that the books were based on really happened because another one was published besides his. And also, uh, Four Leaf is, uh, Nick Nolte is not the real Four Leaf. So what I propose is that, what if Nick Nolte, whoever Nick Nolte is, was tired of not making it as an actor? So he saw an opportunity to work in Hollywood by kidnapping and killing the real Four Leaf, assuming his identity to work on a film set where he attempted to kill actors who achieved what he couldn't. Because if you think about it, he, that when he he's the one that convinces uh, Cockburn to take them out into the shit. Correct. So that's his, and it's which was a ridiculous plan. But it, but, but he set it up before that. Remember the meeting? You, you beat a baby, all you get a snot. Got to take him to the shit. So I'm saying, I'm saying what you're saying. Go ahead. But I just feel like he was sabotaging them because yes. so they obviously went out there before before the cast before they took the cast out there. He it, it looked like him and Cockburn and maybe the uh, Cody the pirate yeah pyro the pyro guy, Cody. 
Um, like it looks like they all went out there before him because there was cameras set up. So I think during that time, what if he placed that mine that killed Cockburn? What if it was intended to kill one of the actors? And then at the end of the movie, he he dove out of that helicopter so quick, and it looked heroic because of the shot. But he was he was rushing to blow that bridge up as quickly as possible, and Tug wasn't even halfway across it. So it, they they played it out like he was trying to save him. But it looked like he was trying to kill him. So that's my theory, is that, is that uh, Four Leaf is... The, Nick Nolte is not the real Four Leaf. He's an imposter, a failed actor that, that killed the real Four Leaf, who was actually in the Tropic Thunder situation, and the book was, was, the book was true. And Nick Nolte is now, has weaseled his way onto the set, acting like somebody else for the purpose of trying to kill actors who have achieved what he has not. That is, that is my theory. Hear me out. Hear me out. Well, hear me out. I'll say this. I don't think Nick Nolte could have lasted another 48 hours in that genre. Nice. <laughs> <laughs> okay. So first off, in full transparency, read my page. Nick fucking Nolte, storyteller, is Predator or Tropic Thunder real the admission. Okay. See? So okay. See? Yeah. So so, so, so this must be true. Yeah. We did not discuss this no. whatsoever. Out of all the obscure things that are happening in Tropic Thunder. Yeah, there the was something off about about four leaf. <laughs> so here we go. Real quick. It's because they say that the story really happened. Yes. So it, the story really happened. Yes. And but, he but then they say hands, they, but they say at the beginning be. of the end of that intro, they say this is the failed attempt of the guy that tried to make the movie. So we don't know which version of them he is. He could be yeah. one of the ten. Uh, that's true. He doesn't say he's one of the ones who write the book. It, it, it follows the story of the book for the first three like, like things he says. And at the end it says, this is the failed attempt of one guy making that movie. Like I told you, Nick Nolte, the thing I brought up earlier as far as him in Predator 2, Nick Nolte is a part of a special agent task force. And they say that they have been st st uh, ha uh, studying what happened in Guatemala. And so... My point is, is is that they, he says in Predator 2 that he's been studying what happened in the jungle. So my point is this, to this story, he starts out almost to your point. He's, he's telling you, listen, I've, I've been in the jungle. I, I've i been there. To me, it just seems like he's a storyteller or to your point, a killer. To me, Four Leaf is such a big part of this story. And like you say, I mean, just just listen to the shit he says. It's almost... I, it just when he when he gets caught, he's like he was he was like what the fuck? He was like I, I was a patriot, god damn it! Like yeah. he says like he can't be caught. And, and this is oh, here's the thing that's not on IMDb. This is why you come to our fucking show. This is why they come to our fucking show. Watch this real time reaction. I guarantee this is something you did not think about, but it's gonna make sense as soon as I say it, and I'll say it in eight seconds. Okay. Every time everybody went met for leave. After Danny McBride's character found out he didn't even have any hands, that was their first reaction to it. When, when, uh, when, uh, when, when uh, Sandusky and Al Pacino bust into the house, bust into the thing. Now, mind you, this motherfucker, Danny McBride, has been kidnapped. His life is on the line. The moment they take the gag off his mouth, he says he has hands. Like. Not get me home. Where's my wife? I love my son. I'm going to die. Jesus help me. The, he has to let the world know. Yeah. There's nothing more fucking important. When they take that mask off, this motherfucker said he has hands. So that's those two. Mm. Then with with uh, Jeff Portnoy's character, Jack Black, when he he's like, you grew hands? Yeah. And it would rob it down and you get like, what the fuck? You got hands? Like, that, that was so perfectly planned. And I guarantee you guys, that's the difference between people who watch film and people who watch 
fucking film. Did you catch that? Uh, yeah, yeah. Every, I noticed that every character, they gave every character their own individual response to to realizing that he, they all had a reaction shot to it. And it was all like, it wasn't like, you motherfucker. It's like, oh my God, you got hands? <laughs> like, just... Just surprised. Dude, they pulled the mask off David. People say he has hands. He didn't take a breath like... Oh, he'd been sitting on that forever. He, he needed somebody hey, to know. Hey, and then when, when Nick Nolte says, what is that? He's like, I don't know what it is. I just know what it does when a man lies. I know it's something when a man lies. All right, man. Hey, like, Nick fucking Nolte, man. Yeah. Hey, hey, one thing. Can we say 10, ten seconds? Nick Nolte, thank you for everything you gave us. Like I say, uh, I got to tell you this. Like, growing up... You, I, I cannot say there's a movie I've seen you in that you've not brought in that you've let me down in. Like again, like I have to give it. I'm not saying you're the best in the world. I mean your range may be limited, but you are good at what you fucking do, and you're a lot better than these motherfuckers they still let on TV today. So hey, man, salute, man. Mm-hmm. Let's move on to casting call. We take some of the actors and uh, we replace them with either something that'll make it more absurd, ridiculous, or better. Now this, we, what we decided to do was, normally when there's a film, we either do the lead actor or the lead actress, but again, what we decided to do this week, because the four, what we like to call the, there is, to us, there is no lead. There is a lead crew in this movie, a lead cast. The lead, this is truly a cast and something what they all play off each other. It's really probably, if I had to rate, um, let's say if there were a top 25 of movies where four people had to play off each other, this is definitely would land in the top 25. So this week we're going to tell you guys what we think about it. And uh, David, why don't you go ahead and go first? Let's do this. So you have four. You start with one, whoever, whatever character you name. Right. I'll do the opposite character. You go first. All right. So Tug Speedman. You starting with the number one. Go ahead. Yeah. Um, I think he should have been played by Jean-Claude Van Damme. I think that would have been. That. I think Jean Claude Van Damme has the range to be self-aware. You think he could have pulled off the comedy? Oh yeah, yeah. Like you, I don't know. I can't remember what movie it was called. Welcome, no, Welcome to the Jungle. I think it was called. Um, he was in it with Adam Brody. He was only in it for like the first 15, 20 minutes, but he definitely understands comedy. And he was in a show called. I can't remember the show. He, he he's done comedy though, and he's good at being self-aware. So I thought I think he would have been good at like playing into the stereotypes that he was once a part of. And I thought that I think that would have would have made the movie more like more enjoyable to watch. I'm gonna do this for every film fan out there right now. For the next nine seconds, take it away, D. What you're getting ready to show? When he dances in Kickboxer, that's the only fucking oh, funny oh, thing John yeah. Van Vandam ever did in his fucking life. I don't know, man. I mean, no, no, no. That scene is fantastic. Right, I mean, okay. but then you go to Universal Soldier. He's like, he's sitting there. He's eating in the, he's eating in the uh, diner, and the guy's like, guy's like, you gonna pay for that? He's like, it's really good. He's like, you goddamn right, it's good. I've been back there in the kitchen. He's like, and then he's, I just want to eat. Like, yeah, he 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 could have pulled it off. I think. I think. Well, who's your tug? I'm not gonna pull out my V. I just want you to know I reached for it. He's not fucking funny. But he's good. I, Dude, I, I, watch his show. I, on, I, I, it's I, either on Amazon or one of those streaming networks. He does a show where he he plays he plays himself, <laughs> but he gets recruited as a spy to like, at, and he has to do all these different um, characters and and uh, okay. Okay. disguises. And, right. it, and it's fun. It from what I saw, it's funny. Well, maybe my maybe my choice is more just as obscure as yours, but I guarantee you didn't see it coming. I'll give you one guess really quick. I'm going to go also with the Ben Stiller character. Who do you think I chose? Um, remember now you said we can go good or bad. Remember you said that last. I'm not mm-hmm. saying which way I went. I'm not saying which way I went. I'm just telling you. Remember you brought that up. Adam Sandler. Damn. 
didn't even think about it. That actually would have been a terrible. I didn't do. I didn't do it. Do it. But now you got me thinking about it real time. Jeff Daniels. That, that is very obscure. Thank I you. could not. Yeah, that's a brave choice. I couldn't picture the that physically. Em- because emoting. I saw what he did on in Dumb and Dumber, and I saw what he did in the newsroom. Have you ever seen the newsroom? Oh yeah, yeah. So when he gave that speech about the United States, and the, like to me that, and then his character and speed, like he to me, when you talk about range, he's one of the most underrated character actors out there who have range. Yeah. All right, so who do you agree with? Who's uh, who do you think would be the better better tug, uh, Jeff Daniels or Jean Claude Van Damme? And and please in the comments let him know all of the ways that Jean Claude Van Damme is hilarious and and good at comedy. All right, go ahead. Okay. All right, so this one is yet again. This is another one really quick. Where I really didn't think that uh, I I said this before IMDb said it, but I think they were spot on. I don't have any beef with it. Which was as Jeff Portnoy as Jack Black character. I would have really loved to see Chris Farley, and then I found out later that Ben Stiller said it was modeled after him, which is why they made uh, they Jack Black didn't want to dye his hair blonde, but they're like, no, this is in reference to Chris Farley, which is why when you see his character in Fatties, it's the the Chris Farley cut. Oh, uh, so, yeah. 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 Yeah, okay. Yeah. yeah, that is the Chris Farley cut. Yeah. 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 So, Jeff Portnoy, what's your what's your guess for me? Uh, John Candy. That would have been that would have been good. I went Zach Galifianakis. Oh god, yes. Oh, 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 so you're fucking with me. What? See, because due date and, no, and, and I playing trains all moment. Oh, I have won. He is now. I'm not going to say I've won. Let no, me not do that. I no. specifically said that what bothered me so much about the date was that Robert Downey Jr. and Zach Galifianakis have so much potential, and they blew it. They didn't blow it, man. Well, I still stand true that, that Zach Galifianakis is an awesome actor. Zach Galifianakis jacked off in front of Robert Downey Jr. and the dog. That's where Hollywood is at now. Could you imagine him in in all of the things like the? The direction he would have—I think it would have been similar, but just slightly drier and I—I uh, don't, I don't know, like more strange. I think it would have brought an element of strange to You're it. You're almost there, Doctor Strange. Few episodes away, brother Benjamin coming back, who also ironically played uh, Sherlock Holmes, just like Robert Downey Jr. was. So I did—that wasn't a shameless plug. It's just another connection from the Lord. Zach Galifianakis or Chris Farley? Chris Farley was your guy, right? Yes, Chris okay. Farley. And in fairness, this is one of those times where there's no wrong answer. No, no, I don't think, yeah. I mean, obviously, it was written for Chris Farley and Zach Alphanakis would have definitely killed it. Yeah. All right, so I'll do uh, Al Pacino next. Jesus Christ, okay. Do you have a guess? Jimmy Fox. That would have been damn good. Um, I went went Donald Glover. You know what? I didn't think of that. And you know what? That would have been a... That's substitute. But you know why? Because here's the thing, and I told you about this. I've told you like, like you need to watch ATL. But in fairness, even though you haven't watched ATL, you've seen that scene, mm-hmm. and you've seen a few scenes from it. And, it's and just him like, in Community, he's he's good in an ensemble. Okay. I'm gonna. That's my. That's my thought. If you ever say something during this episode that I can't combat, I have like one major comeback, and so you can't ever. Okay. Jesus Christ. So. I'm still coming back to it later, but that was no. I, I like that. I like that. I, I actually, I actually now like your choice, just as good as mine. But if I could have done Apple Chance Chris Tucker, that would have been interesting, especially in not old. I'm talking about like Money Talks Chris Tucker, yeah. like Rush Hour yeah. Chris Tucker, yeah, Jackie yeah. Brown Chris Tucker, Jackie Brown Chris Tucker. Yes, sir. So so okay. All right, I'm finna fuck with you really quick. I right, now I gotta fuck with you. All right, so I gave you Jeff Daniels. Oh, I'm finna fuck with. Do I fuck with him now? No, I'm gonna fuck with him later. I ain't gonna fuck with him now. I'm gonna fuck with him later. So, Robert Downey Jr.'s character. Kirk Lazarus. Kirk Lazarus. Oh, Lincoln Osiris. Osiris, yeah. 
Shout out to my motherfucking dog, Woody Harrelson. He would. That would have been a challenge for him, I think. I don't think so. But seven it would have been enter- huh? Seven pounds, man. He's a, he has range, brother. I the money train. White man yet. can't jump. Well, He's yeah, down yeah. with the calls, man. You gotta yeah. hear Jimmy. You gotta feel Jimmy. Like, no, I'm telling you, he could have did it, bro. To me, he has that. I was gonna say it used to be Johnny Depp characteristics, but still on screen, just not off screen. But he, that 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 um um not uh Matrix, uh, Keanu Reeves. Like he t- to me, he's that. He, I don't. As as much as I respect them as actors, I still respect the fact that they're actors, but they still have their private lives. And so my point is, like, I'm saying these characters that because that's why that's the beautiful part of us doing this show is that we get to input like, damn, how different could it have been, and we don't discuss this. So mm-hmm. I'm definitely saying Woody Harrelson again. Like, I don't know if you've seen Seven Pounds, but mm-hmm. just why like he plays a blind guy working at a call center, man, and he fucking kills. I'm like, God damn it, you from 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 that. To fucking zombie land, to fuck like like dude, whatever. Like come on, bro, you're you're that dude, man. From uh, Kingpin, you're that dude, man. Yeah, you that yeah, dude. That's he has the range to do it, man. I've ne- I've uh, I, I mean he's a great actor. I just haven't seen him explore a whole lot of range. I have, only because I dug deep. I do my research. Go ahead. <laughs> All right, ahead, my man. Kirk Lazarus would be Christian Bale. Mm. I think that would be I think that would be so funny to see him. Almost making fun of himself, because that that character would have been like that. It, that like Kirk Lazarus is like the Christian Bales of acting, just totally method. They don't break character until the end of the shoot. I want to feel it, bro, so bad. <laughs> but it's just something about his character in Shaft that won't let me fucking feel it right now. Wait, Christian Bale is in Shaft. He killed a nigga, hard R. Oh. He fucking hit him with a fucking like pole. Like the Samuel Jackson shaft? Yes. I did one. not know. I saw that. Oh, you want to go I back? Now, this is at this point where David realizes he needs to do a deep dive and he'll play it now. Hey, black man, dead. We're back now. David, you want to change that? You don't have to change it, but you have a. Now that I've added that, how do you feel? I mean, it's here just... at TTFT, we, we're transparent. <laughs> uh, I see. I mean, if he was playing a character then, he'd be playing a character in Tropic Thunder. True. But I. He's not allowed to know now. That uh, that character he played isn't allowed to. But he played that character like he was Jack. <laughs> okay. Yeah, I that's fucking dollars. Hey, listen, I, I might feel differently about it after I see the movie I, or watch the movie. In, again in his context, I don't want you yeah. to just watch the scene because yeah. that's unfair. But trust me. But I but I'm not knocking what you're saying. He, I'll put it this way. Okay, respectfully, he has the range, the talent, and the credibility. Nope, there. <laughs> the credibility, <laughs> the credibility, and integrity was the problem. So yeah, okay, all right, but but no, you're not wrong. These, I mean, do you see the the, the, no, I the do quality the, of it though? Correct, like yes. it being it, it being Put like in a mirror. If he was, himself? if in the right spirit, he definitely has the talent to pull it off, and you're not wrong. I don't even care about the talent. I'm just thinking about how fun it would be for audiences to pretty much watch somebody Put make this fun way. of their own, their own. It would have been fun, but it wouldn't have been more fun. Put it this way. Maybe Steve Martin, but outside of that, Robert Downey Jr. It, no, I know. Put it this way: I live off Moncrief in Jacksonville, Florida. No black person I know took offense to it. So fuck all these, well, whoever these new fucking people are. Fucking, I truly mean fuck them. I truly mean that. All right, so I'm gonna go. Here we go, and I'm gonna fuck you up. <sighs> Film camp. Talking about Kevin Sandusky. Yes. Okay. You ready for this? Hold on. I'm gonna say. Yes, you must guess. Uh, if you get this right, I'll give you hundred dollars right now, cash after you. So you may want to take ten seconds, and I'll put that on everything I love. I'll put it on my daughter Jayla. I love you. If he gets this name wrong, first off, I'm gonna be pissed. 
because I got to give your Uncle David $100. But he has one choice. Jesus, don't, I hope he doesn't get it right. Forrest Whitaker. Thank God. <laughs> <laughs> Although that was close. Jim Parsons. That would have been good, yeah. Okay, I totally I agree didn't change with that. It. There yeah, it is. he could have. He has got the the neuroticness for it. Yeah, yeah. After seeing what he did in uh, Hidden Figures and uh-huh. plus Big Bang Theory, also called back to the last episode of Galecki mm-hmm. with uh, another guy. Yes, sir. Yeah, he yeah, pulled that off for sure. Yeah. I think that's better than mine, actually. I had Michael Sarah from uh, I can Scott see that, Pilgrim. though. I can, uh, and uh, um, uh, Juno. Arrested, De- yeah, Juno. Arrested Development. Juno, yeah, 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 yeah. I think he would... It would have been a very different performance, but uh, same spirit. Before we get out of casting call, do, uh, here's a few uh, real-life casting calls that were almost made or made in the movie. Owen Wilson was originally set to play uh, Rick Peck before hey, anybody. David, take this moment, please, really quick to tell people what is important about right now. Why didn't he allow Owen Wilson to do it? Uh, because Ben Stiller is a friend to Owen Wilson before a business partner of any kind. And uh, Owen Wilson, this was right around the time where he had attempted suicide. Uh, ben Stiller gave the role to Matthew McConaughey to give his friend time to relax. Our connection there, ironically, is that Matthew McConaughey played in a movie about Marshall with the clean team where the plane went down and everyone died. So kids, at the same time, whether it's accidental death or suicide, death is a serious thing. Please take your life seriously every day. It's not promised. Do it the best you can as we do here at TTFG. Most Def was offered the role of Al Pacino, but turned it down. Correct, but was his true name? It wasn't. He didn't offer it to Most Def. Yeah, no, I, I saw that true name, and no, he's Most Def to me, and he's I don't. I can't me. pronounce that. I don't. It was like, like some yeah, that's name, like some Cat, aspirin that went off the market. It was definitely something. Cat Stevens is Cat Stevens. Me, he's not this Yusef, whatever is. Like, no, I, I, okay. I, I respect it. I can't pronounce it, so I'm going to go with the original that I committed yes, to memory. Yes, Kevin Hart also turned down the role of uh, Al Pacino. Uh, Jeff Portnoy was actually written for Jack Black, but it was based on Chris Bartley, as you said. All right, let's move on to Pop Quiz Hot Shot. All right, here at TTFT, what we do is we like to give you facts. Last season was big facts, but hey, listen, now it's Pop Quiz Hot Shot. What we're going to talk about is facts from Tropic Thunder, and we got not five, not ten. If these was all middle fingers, they'd be ten fucks. David, take us away with the top ten facts. Number 10, Seriously Funny. The film includes two Oscar winners, Matthew McConaughey and John Voight, and four Oscar nominees, Robert Downey Jr., Nick Nolte, Steve Coogan, and Tom Cruise. Number 9, Thoreau, or... (laughs) Thoreau. Co-writer Justin Thoreau can be seen during the party scene reprising his evil DJ character from Zoolander. Number 8. No joke, Robert Downey Jr. was actually nominated for an Academy Award for his role in Tropic Thunder. He lost to Heath Ledger for his role as the Joker in The Dark Knight. Ironic part about that is they both wore makeup and one got criticized and one different didn't. Uh, I mean, that's because Heath Ledger did his own makeup and it wasn't black. Well, that's also true. <laughs> Number seven, fuck-ups. Let's look at the blunders in Tropic Thunder. Uh, during one of Les's rampages via the teleconference, his wedding ring disappears and reappears a couple of times. There is a lot of con- uh, uh, there's a lot of continuity issues in the movie. There's like one example where Jack Black is when they're when when uh, Ben Stiller is in the water and they're all on the bank 
the uh, the last fuck up is there are no pandas in Southeast Asia. Number six, booty sweat. As part of a promotional stunt, the booty sweat energy drink seen in the film was actually available for a limited time on Amazon. And bonus fact, that scene was the last thing shot for the movie filmed early in the morning on Thanksgiving. Number five, Satan's Alley. For the Satan's Alley trailer, Tobey Maguire came in for his role at the very last minute as a personal favor for Ben Stiller and Robert Downey Jr. His agent told him that they had him for three hours and then he was leaving to catch a flight for his next film project. Bonus fact, Robert Downey Jr. and Tobey Maguire also played lovers in 2000's Wonder Boys. That is very true. Number four, Just Cruisin'. Ben Stiller said that Les Grossman is almost entirely the creation of Tom Cruise, who insisted on playing the studio head instead of Tug Speedman's agent, which he was originally approached for. From the dancing to the look of the makeup, he assumed total control over the character. Aside from the more obvious makeup effects on Cruise's face and head and the extra hair on his chest and arms, Cruise also decided to play the character wearing oversized prosthetic hands. And if you want more Les Grossman, find the 2010 MTV Movie Awards and your wish will be granted. He reprised his character for that year's show. Also about Les Grossman, in 2010 it was announced that a spin-off film would be developed centering around Grossman. The script was written, but no updates on it since March of 2012. And let that be a lesson to your film school students again, that sometimes less is more. Not, <laughs> no pun intended. <laughs> I mean, you're, you are, uh, you specifically don't like sequels or remakes or rehashes. What would you, how would you feel about a Les Grossman origin story? The same way I would feel about a Kramer story that was actually tried by NBC, um, with, uh, Kramer, Kramer and, and it did not work. And specifically, here's the crazy part about the executives that NBC asked Kramer to be the same type of character he was in Seinfeld. And to his credit, and it's hard to give a guy that said, you niggas was hanging from trees 400 years ago um credit but to his character's credit as far as an artist at least he disputed nbc and said no i want to do something different i want to have range so that's how we're going about it number three controversy it's universally agreed upon that blackface is bad and no no very bad now even tropic thunder which layered the act behind an actor being played by an actor portraying someone in blackface to satirize method actors and the lengths they will go to a role even tropic thunder has received its fair share of criticism with many still praising robert downey jr's performance co-star brandon t jackson stated when i first read the script i was like what blackface but when i saw him act he like became a black man he also mentioned that it was weird because robert downey jr being a method actor himself did not break from the character on the joe rogan experience joe pondered to robert downey jr uh, do you think you could do a role like that now? To which Robert Downey Jr. responded, You could, but would it be a good idea? Speaking of controversy, the film received significant backlash due to its depiction of the mentally handicapped, with the film itself admitting their mistake. Rather than saying, I don't like the world that we live in, I say, I miss the world we used to live in. You've heard me say on the show that I miss simple racism, and also what I miss is the world to where a PC wasn't too, it was just a computer. Mm-hmm. It didn't stand for politically fucking correct. Jesus fucking Christ. Can the comics not be comics? Can artists only reflect the time they're living in? How dare you, fucker, get mad at the people displaying to you what's actually happening before you get mad at the people that are actually doing it? So fuck you. Go baby. Is that good enough? Be sure to join our Patreon. You can get these episodes totally uncensored. I'm sorry. That was like one of my best statements ever. Oh, yeah. yeah I meant that. I had nothing further to add. Thank you. Number two, Lazarus didn't lie. 
So Kirk Lazarus says in the film, I don't drop character till I've done the DVD commentary. Holding true to that statement, Robert Downey Jr. actually spends the entire commentary in character on the unrated DVD and Blu-ray. Number one, origin. Stiller developed the premise for Tropic Thunder back in the late 80s while shooting Empire of the Sun, in which he played a small part. He wanted to make a film based on the actors he knew who, after taking part in boot camps to prepare for war film roles, became self-important and self-involved, appearing to believe they had been part of a real military unit. According to Stiller, Tug Speedman is partially based on a young Sylvester Stallone. It's actually funny that uh, that Tug Speedman is based on Sylvester Stallone because they call that out in the movie when when uh, Tug Speedman is in the river and, and uh, Osiris coming up to him trying to like trying to like warm him up so he can take the map from. He's like, "You look like Stallone, not 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 young Stallone, but Stallone Rambo too when he beefed up." And and Ben Stiller actually says. Thanks, man. That's actually what well, I was going, going for. for. He says it right there. All right, Dave. When's the last time you used a condom? But never mind that. That brings us to seven minutes in heaven. These are our favorite scenes in Tropic Thunder. Do you want to go first? I, I got, do. I got three. Yes, let me put my headphones on and watch, Dave. I've learned after one season how to put these on. My daughter's so proud of me right now. I'm so money right now. All right. We start with my one of my favorite scenes was Welcome to the Jungle. Guys, there are so many subplots when I say Welcome to the Jungle. When they first get into the jungle, as Nick Nolte character says, you got to drop them in the shit. And to me, it was remnants of when in Predator, they got dropped into the war zone at the beginning for the made-up story that Apollo Creed's character from Rocky had. Uh, Carl Weathers. There we go. I knew I'd catch a get big boy. Shout out and salute, sir. Carl Weathers character. So with that being said, so they get dropped into the shit. And as you notice, there's a... If you think what happened to Tropic Thunder is weird, imagine what happens in the first Predator when they're riding into the jungle. Like, literally, you have a wrestler that became a governor. Go figure. Not the first time. I'm not talking about Schwarzenegger. Oh, you're talking research. about Jesse Ventura. Oh, good. They, wow. Oh, I know about Jesse Ventura. You know about JV. I've been so on that conspiracy. Yeah, so with JV, he spits on Carl Weathers' shoes. That's a nasty habit you got there. <laughs> so with that being said, man, listen. The, to me, like I say, you have that happen. I told you about Osiris with the black, with the black uh, planter, uh, with the black fist on his helmet. This is one thing that I know you didn't catch, and I know that IMDb didn't catch. It goes back to the controversy that I talked about earlier with Robert Downey Jr. With what most people say, blackface again. To do blackface would be a discredit to what he did. That wasn't blackface. He made me... I remember I watched it the first time and didn't know it was him. So you pass the test. You don't get the B... You don't get the N-word card, but... Motherfucker, I watched a full movie and my ancestors experienced a lot of racism. And you are the first person that does not have our DNA for some reason you got in. And I'm not saying your other... Other people are going to get in, but I... I you, hey. All right. I didn't feel like it was blackface, but with that being said, you're gonna do it, do it, do it, right? If you're gonna do it, do it. But my whole point of saying that is this: is that Damian Cockburn's character, not even character, the character of Damian Cockburn's, when he's walking around in circles telling everybody what's going to happen, he looks directly at Robert Downey Jr. He delivers a line, and then welcome to the jungle scene. He says, "You want to, you want to occupy the skin of another human being." He looks directly at Robert Downey Jr. when he says that. Oh yeah, and yeah. so it's a, it's almost like they know what they're doing, and they're like. Which they shouldn't have to do, but they're giving satire mm -hmm. to what's actually happening. Yeah, they, they had the moment too with um, uh, Al Pacino where he goes, "Oh, that's how we all talk," huh? And they they are self-aware in that moment as well. Mm -hmm. 
My number three scene is the opening fake trailers from Scorcher, uh, Scorcher to Fatty's Fart 2 to Booty Sweat. But the kicker for me in all that was Satan's Alley. Robert Downey Jr., his ridiculously beautiful eyes that are just glowing and all of the stupid looks that they cut to. All those, all the opening trailers were hilarious, but that one specifically looks like, even though like we know now they only had like three hours to shoot that from Tobey Maguire's schedule, it looked like they had so much fun doing it. Like they just kind of like, all right, let's just grab this shot, let's grab, and it, it seemed very in the moment. You t it takes a lot of balls. We're still in the jungle scene. Okay. <laughs> and I know what it's like to take characters too far. As deep as Robert Downey Jr. was into his character, there was one person that was way more into their character, and that was Four Leaf. Oh, yeah. He was so into this motherfucker says, in, this, in the same scene, it's smoke and mirror, guys. Welcome to the movie factory. <laughs> you know what, Kurt? I've done a lot more effects driven films than you. Kurt Lazarus has won five Best Actor Awards. He's offering this motherfucker to play Abe Lincoln, young Abe Lincoln. This motherfucker, Ben Stiller says you can get a Teen Choice Award, and he and he double downs. You got that talent. Like like you like you can do that. Like what the fuck? Yeah. Go ahead, brother. Like I'm not tripping. No, no. My number two is when Pecker confronts Grossman. He's Me in a meeting. Yeah, in two seconds with the Pecker. Flaming Dragon, okay, fuck face. Take a big step back and literally fuck your own face. Tom Cruise, man, scorched earth, motherfucker. I will massacre you. I will fuck you up. He takes such a simple line and puts so much behind it. Then, then when it comes back to that scene, like you said earlier, we don't negotiate with terrorists. Uh, all the way to Tom, uh, Tom Cruise and Bill Hader dancing to get low. <laughs> Like that, that that whole scene, I'm I'm either grinning or laughing the entire scene. Bro, and when I tell you the beat of the fucking year, and I mean this of 2008, Bill Hader, Tom Cruise, mm -hmm. Matthew McConaughey, the scene, Pecker is looking directly into into Hader's and Cruise's face, and he says, "They're gonna kill him." When I tell you the best duo in the last nine years, the, these motherfuckers do not break character. When I'm talking about Hater and Cruz, and I, I quote, and we'll, we'll weep for him in the press. Yeah. That motherfucker, dude. <laughs> Bro. I was done. You see it. They're going to kill. Beat of the year. And we'll weep for him in the press. Like, bro, Jesus Christ, man, to be such a... That's not even a douchebag. That is a douche bomb, man. Like, seriously, bro. It's like the one humane thing we'll do is still only for money. <laughs> Bill Hader is awesome with Tom um, yeah. Cruise and that. They're like the, the... He said, yeah, go out to the parties and, you know, take all the credit. Like not to mention our favorite scene honorable a mention. monkey can do your job but not to mention our favorite scene which probably we both don't have which is we argued in this in a wide shot right 
my number one is the opening scene to the actual movie Tropic Thunder, the war film that uh, that we're in before the punchline takes place that, that lets us know that a movie is being shot. You get the introduction of Osiris out of nowhere. All of a sudden, you are like, oh, shit, this is Robert Downey Jr. And immediately, from the first time he's on camera, he is 100% in character. And really, they all are in that in that opening scene. You're just Jack Black trying his best to sound like some like wartime dude. We'll get the nady on the skating with the baby. <laughs> the snake and nape. Snake and nape. There you go. Good fucking call, man. Oh, um, hey, this yeah. motherfucker. Pretty fucking it, call. Yeah, snake. That's exactly what it is. That's a real term. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, I just I love jumping into it like watching these comedians all try their best to play real like in a real war movie and there's oftentimes like what's convincing about it is that the cinematography you're talking about toll john john toll yes yeah. sir the set, who, who also did the sky, sky. yes go, yeah. and we'll be doing matrix four the cinematography the editing the like the filmmaking of it is so high scale like they didn't it's not like oh we're doing a comedy we can just like whatever on on all of the tech are they stuff. one of the first few people i feel like they took airplane to the next level remember when airplane came out it wasn't just a comedy it was like a film film that's not yeah it's not even on the same level because airplane but it is though with technology i think about it, what i'm saying is when airplane came out it didn't feel like saturday night live it didn't feel like a, a skit it was a movie satire and other movies but actually actually was a film yeah and that's what this does it takes like you just said they didn't spare any expense this was a big budget film that you feel like friends made like mm -hmm. we like i know spielberg i know scorsese like i i know this the near i can do it with these people yeah. and it's gonna like it's like a big budget film for yeah i just i i really appreciate the quality of the filmmaking and it's it's remember when wild and crazy kids came on like, why would yeah, this yeah, show yeah. be out there for us? And this is exactly what we would think. Mm -hmm. That's I'm sorry. That's how I kind of feel. And uh, and it, it is just hilarious to watch these the, the comedians play these roles so with so much commitment. Like they are really really pretending hard. And then when Tug and Kirk are trying to outact each other, the funniest part about that to me is watching uh, Kirk staying in character as Osiris getting frustrated with Tug. And then of course there's a line now we can rewrite. I'm going potty. Want to hold my dick? Hey, hey, you know what? We got lemonade. We got lemons. Let's make lemonade. Yeah. And then uh, he's bitching, and then uh, fucking uh, the fucking uh, four leaf speedman is fucking bitching to his age. He was like, and and then uh, uh, Osiris is crying, and that's not even. Whoa, 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 man! You gotta buck up. Hey, four, and, four leaf, were you crying? See, I think that's what the problem. Oh, that's the problem. <laughs> Motherfucker said, "You're an honor to our country. We owe you a lot of respect." Now, shut the fuck up. Yeah. <laughs> like what he spit out like a pear. The. F Jesus Christ, man. All right, so this is your number one scene. 100%. I want everyone to close their eyes. Not really open your fucking eyes. Damon McBride's character. Open your eyes. There we go, David. Open your eyes. Oh, call back. Damon McBride character says to Nick Nolte, his character says to Nick Nolte, now mind you, they're by themselves. He comes up to him and says, I don't mean to come off weird or anything, but uh, I might be now mind you, 
you're in a third world fucking jungle country and like you say for all we know nick nolte's a murderer we don't know what he is mm -hmm. but cody danny mcbride's character is so into you like i might be your biggest fan he was like you he was like to be honest with you like what you did i read your book is like my catcher to the rye like and so now we're into another level like uh -huh. we're so like he's so into him he, and he looks at him and he was like He's like, hey man, what's that? He was like, I don't know what it's called. I just know what it meant, what it, what it, the sound it makes when it kills a man or whatever. And it's just like to 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 me, like that would to understand why you're saying like, why would that be your number one scene? But I'm just thinking about how weirded out would I be by that? Like I'm already a fake and I'm already a crazy person. But you know how crazy you got to be to make a crazy person crazy? Yeah. Like he's yeah. like he starts with I don't mean to weird you out or he could have said that anytime. He's been on set with Four Leaf in pre-production a few scenes yeah. before that. Why now? Why wouldn't we buy ourselves? This motherfucker say, "Listen, man, I don't mean to weird you out or thing, but I might be your biggest fan." And mind you. Four Leaf is not an A-list actor. No. He is not. You remember from all uh, fucking uh, Blaze of Glory? Jimmy! Jimmy, you're my only fan. I want to wear your skin, Jimmy. Oh, Jimmy, I want to wear your skin, Jimmy. Like, just fucking with me. Yeah. Am I tripping? I'm going to wear your skin for my birthday. Like, Jimmy, yeah. Coming up. Yeah. Am I tripping? No, that's... Uh, <laughs> I didn't think about that. That They had plenty of time together in better situations where he could have this up. Yeah. Like, maybe the first time they met. Yeah, that's... <laughs> Uh, that is funny. That's he has hands. <laughs> he was so lit down. And his biggest fan is the one that has the the initial revelation that he is not who he says he is. I'm a patriot. <laughs> I'm sorry. All right. Man. Out of a sea of amazing scenes, those are are the the ones that we could find the time to mention during this segment. Uh, but the whole movie is amazing. What was your favorite scenes in Tropic Thunder? Let us know in those motherfucking comments. And let's move on to our favorite quotes. And you are going to need a bigger... And we are 15 Bo episodes in, and I'm still waiting to see one Jaws reference. Can we not get, at least get the guy who played the lead character face now? All right, we never have to do it again. On to it. We're going to need a bigger boat. David, take us away. Mm, uh, I, uh, there are so many quotes in this movie. We knew it was going to be a challenge to, to keep it down to five. If you've noticed, we've sprinkled quotes throughout the other segments. But were you actually able to keep it down to five and an honorable? Yes. So okay. being an actor is no different than being a rugby player or a construction worker, except my tools are the mechanism that trigger human emotion. Fucking uh, Kirk. <laughs> Kirk, Kirk Lazarus. Lazarus. <laughs> yes, that's, in the, that's when he's doing the interview, right? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and smoking the cigarette. Yes. <laughs> Fucking Kirk Lazarus, yes, man. Sir. <laughs> It was. It would have been too easy to make because I mean, he had five of his own. Yeah, like, yeah, 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 could yeah. have easily just been all him. I don't read the script. The script reads me. <laughs> I had that down. That line <laughs> I put in there. I, that that one made it to my list purely so I could say there has never been a more royal thing to say. That I, I I'm pretty sure I've heard you say that as those exact words actually. And I truly believe like, that. Before we jump into an interview. In the early season one, you know, like, hey, do you check, you, you read the questions? I don't read the questions, questions read me. Which is fair and unfair, because you were preparing these questions in full transparency, but sometimes I just like to dive into it, man. I, I like to do my research. I'm going to go with uh, one I know you don't have on your page, and like I said, I didn't rate these because there were so many fucking lines. But the fact, first off, is once this obviously this is the greatest behind the scenes set ever. When you're not filming, they're having the greatest fucking time of their life. They had a party for one week down, yeah. and, and like 
most films are like 20, 30, 40 weeks of having a party. Such a good play on like <laughs> on set life, like everything is a is a celebratory. Uh, it's like a landmark. fire festival. Of, yeah. Of, 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 yeah. Like, so, oh, you know, for every anything, they're pat you're patting yourself on the back. So doing that. Uh, Tug Speakman's character, uh, Four Leaf, all, he's a guy playing a guy playing a guy. Speaking of being a director, Ben's still a character. He goes up there, he's talking, and this is right before Jack Black says, Simple Jack, suck ass! Right before he says that, motherfucker Ben, uh, ben, uh, ben Stiller says, and this is a quotation <laughs> from a children's book I co wrote, The Boy Everybody Was Jealous Of. So what do you want me to start? The fact that he co-wrote a children's book. Oh, that's what I was going to say. <laughs> the fact that he co-wrote it means that he sat in the room while somebody else wrote it. I like that. <laughs> the boy everybody was jealous of. <laughs> Go ahead. Uh, you're the Millie Vanilli of patriotism. You lied about being in the Vietnam War. That's like punching the American flag in the face. You're the Millie Vanilli of patriotism. I thought that was a brilliant line. Kudos to the writers. I got Tuck Tuck and Kim up here. This motherfucker here, I'm trying to put that back. I need some dudes up here to speak English, damn it. He's trying to make a fucking sweater. I'm trying to put Tiger Bomb on his jungle's nuts. <laughs> Another Cody. I got I got another Cody. Number three. Mother Nature just pissed her pants suit. When and that, yeah, and that uh, again, hats off to the cinematographer, the editor, because no. the way they told the way they cut that in the, the way they cut that shot in in that moment where he's you know yeah, that that was brilliant cinematography and awesome writing. I'm just a little boy playing with his dick when he's nervous. <laughs> Could not let that go. I had to put that in there. Yeah. I, had, I, had, I had to put that in there. Oh, also followed up by, hey, hey, no, no, Damian Cockburns, you can cry. Oh, thanks. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> All right. I got to know Cyrus here, too. Talk, talking about Simple Jack to Tug. You was farting in bathtubs, laughing your ass off. Farting in bathtubs, laughing your ass off. Which I know they caught slack for, the, mm. for their treatment of the mentally disabled, but... Come on, farting in bathtubs, laughing your ass off. You don't have to be R-worded to to appreciate that. The greatest fucking agent alive ever wore goes to Matthew McConaughey, Tug, uh, the pecker, when Tug Speeman calls him and says, I've killed what what he appears to hear is Amanda. And he's, his, he, he follows up with... I'm going to come back a little bit. He follows there up you. with... That's what he should have told Ben Stiller. He follows up with... Get off the line. Get a shitload of line, like. Oh no! But first, what what made him even better? He didn't say get off the line. He said get off the line. He's like get off the line. All right, my uh, actually before I before I get to my number one, my honorable mention goes to Pecker when he's on the phone with Speedman. Uh, how's the adoption coming? That sets up one of the funniest lines when when Pecker responds to him. He's like, "Well, at least you get to choose yours." Jesus Christ. I'm stuck with mine. Looking at a picture of his shithead sons. What did he say? He said, he said I think they ran out of the good ones. Yeah. Jesus Christ. Like he's an assembly line. Now, it's funny you say that because one of, I'll, I'll probably end here on mine as far as this so we can keep this tight is when they don't, it's maybe a three or four second shot, 
But you, they did a, an amazing call back to at the beginning of the film, or not the beginning, but the real beginning of the film, when the flaming dragon throw a bomb up at the thing, and then Tug Speedman character throws it up, mm-hmm. and then his agent, uh, who's played by Matthew McConaughey, when he throws the TiVo up, which is the story for a whole, talk about a talk about rep, putting a time capsule on what time they're in. Yeah. When he throws that up and it hits him, uh, and, when, and when he hits it or whatnot. There's maybe a three or four seconds. Not a, it maybe it's a drone, but it's probably a jib shot. To where for some reason, Tug speed, uh, the pecker must runs over a Mario Kart mushroom because his speed through that jungle is um. Are you, are you know what I'm talking about? Yeah, they show that yeah. shot. He is oh, yeah. he fucking. Takes off, he's like a mongoose. <laughs> yeah, yeah. He's fucking crazy, like, and he's so happy to what he. Like, yeah, yeah. Man, just because it's a theme song, don't make it not true. His delivery of it is perfect, but just the line itself is funny. I cannot take that from you. I cannot take that from you. The only reason I can't take that from you because, again, they'll hear why at the end of this episode, and I do mean they'll hear why. And, guys, that brings us to our next segment, what I like to call this week, seeing Steelers, as in Ben Steeler. Say, see what I did there? Uh, yeah, seeing yeah, Steelers. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah, I'm not all over the place. I'm in the place to be. So, with that being said, guys. All right. Wait, wait uh, who, is on the, recap. Who, who is on the board already? You know who's on the board. Cameron, I swallowed your cum, Diaz. Four on, times. Four times means something. So I'm going to actually go first this week. Um, wait, do you, do you have any honorable mentions? I do have an honorable mention. Okay. Because I, I have... I have uh, you only get one because you sent me show notes before this, and it says one honorable mention and one person. So yeah. we're stick to that. Uh, I'm looking at your screen. There's yeah. way more than that. Yeah, I have two honorable mentions. Jesus Christ. All right, I'll go first. And then I'll let you rumble on, young man, as you will. Uh, so our my, my, my scenes, one of my honorable mentions was, and this is one of the times to where the script didn't dictate to allow this person. But again, I think you know where I'm going with this. From the era that we grew up in, we always play homage and we play honorable mention to those who've always entertained us and can still entertain us no matter what age they've been in. To me, it was Nick Nolte as an honorable mention. Um, all right, so my two honorable mentions. I have two honorable mentions and a shout-out. Okay, so, so you're bringing a new shit. You're all over the place. <laughs> my first honorable mention is Tom Cruise, of course, mm-hmm. because he was fucking amazing. And everything that he's in, he kills it. And the, especially this was like, I've never seen Tom Cruise like this before. And here he goes killing it. Other honorable mention is Matthew McConaughey. Uh, hmm. Just because, okay. he that again, for that time... He's that in was, a meeting, yeah, in two seconds with the pecker. Yeah. 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 He was a true friend and agent. If you're Juggernaut. Almost as like... If hey, you, Juggernaut. It's the pecker. He calls himself the pecker. Not to mention, he is... Yeah, like I say, right here, the most loyal and awesome agent ever to exist. Brother. But bro. not only that in itself, but... I believe that Matthew McConaughey is that kind of person when he chooses, when you're like in his circle. I believe that Matthew McConaughey himself would come through the jungle and throw a TiVo at a rocket missile to to stop you from getting blown up. I, I, I 100, that's the type of person he fucking is. Hold on one second, bro, because I, I want you to understand, like we tell Pecker. people. What does this say right here? Please read this line. Agent of the fucking year, the Pecker. <laughs> So, so we're on the same page. We're, so, so okay, all right. So here's the thing. Before we get to the actual scene stealer, my shout out is not to an actor, but to a body. Who? Ben Stiller's body. Cut up like Rambo two, not Rambo one. Dude, he's a comedian. There's no reason for him. So as Carrot to Top. Have, that have you seen Carrot Top? No, that's ridiculous. <laughs> that's on the, like. <laughs> ben Stiller could be on GQ, and it'd be like. Oh, okay. 
It's just it was a it was a gorgeous specimen for a uh, for a comedian. It was just it was like this is fuck this is Fokker. I never yeah. knew he was working with. You see him, he looks like he has a shit body because he he always plays these characters where he has no self esteem. How are you playing a character with no self esteem when you look like that at, when you take your shirt off? Dude, he did he did nine scorchers. <laughs> yeah. He was ready. He could do it at any time, man. That's all I can say. He did nine scorchers, man. All right, so. My, uh, I have one shout out, Lincoln Osiris. What? Lincoln Osiris, yes. Okay, so they're... they're... No, 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 hear me out. Okay. My shout out was to Kurt's Lazarus portrayal of Lincoln Osiris. That's my shout out. Okay. Because Kurt, what Kurt Lazarus did with that role, it was very, uh, in the time that he lived in, it was very risque. It was very, um, it just makes you feel like he's a, he's a severe method actor. But for me to say that that was my shout out, I have to give my scene stiller to Robert Downey Jr. and his portrayal of Kurt Lazarus and his portrayal of Lincoln Osiris. And the reason why I say that is this, we talked about it and we started with this film of controversy. You have to understand, so many people from Asians to Caucasians, it's some, that's weird, it's not really, that's a tie-in, have done what they consider to be called blackface. Right. And and rightfully so. It's fucked up and it's, it's, it's a portrayal of of when you truly only show black people in an ignorant slave mentality, almost like how they gave Denzel. Denzel did did brilliant performances way before training day, yet when he started saying my nigga and he was a he's a corrupt drug lieutenant and you know what I'm saying and shit like that. That's when he that's when he gets the Oscar because of the Academy and again not the Umbrella Academy, but they shit they definitely raining on pissing on people. With that being said, the reason why I give it to him because this is not blackface. This is a word that's not been used. He he portrayed a black character that was brave, that the machine can't break down. Hey, man, we fucking lost. Like, you don't understand what he did. He, he portrayed every good persona. Like, how many times has a black person said, man, if we was in this motherfucking movie, that's what I would have thought. And he, the motherfucker said, hey, man, we lost. Not only we lost, that's what a white person would have said. Man, we lost. We super fucking lost. Okay, now, if you don't get this shit, I'm telling you, not only we, there's a difference between loss and super fucking loss. That means, mm -hmm. nigga, we can't even get back to base camp. That we are gone. Yeah. So my point is, in the, it, it was almost like the, the fact that he did it, it wasn't your normal, yeah. when Gene Wilder and here, no evil, see no evil, see no evil, and I brought this up to you, he had the blackface, he was bah, bah, bah. Like, I've seen people try to do, and that is blackface. This was not blackface. But yeah, Robert Downey Jr., sir, I'm here to set the record straight. Fuck all these millennials. You did not do blackface. What you did was you're the only person... I, like I said, I know I replaced you earlier. There's no one that could replace the role that you did. And I want to hear to say that I, 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 I'm taking up for the black community. And I'm telling you this, that it's not an N-word pass. It's not any pass. You didn't do blackface. As a white man. You're white? <laughs> Play basically, y'all. I, I, no, I 100% agree. Robert Downey Jr. is my scene stiller for the movie. He makes, he, he, he makes the movie funny even when there's not a joke being told he makes it entertaining every single scene he is in even the scenes where he isn't actually delivering dialogue you're if you always watch him in the background he's never breaking character not only does he not break character but he is like 100 percent dove completely into this character and it is just insane because what makes it insane to watch is that he's playing a, an actor that is method He's method himself. So you know that he was not breaking character just like he was in the film. Even though I see his name on the cover, 
You and, don't see him. Yeah. And what do we always talk about? Even from season one, we said the true nature of who the best actors are. When you're the best, I don't see you. I, I will go into that movie because like, I want to see Robert Downey Jr. And 30 seconds into watching the character, I have forgotten that it's Robert Downey Jr. When I saw Ali, I didn't see Will Smith. When I saw Blade, I did not see uh, Wesley Snipes. When I saw, I mean, help me out. And I'm, I'm missing some people here that really took me to that next level. Then I'm like, I don't see you anymore. Even when he's playing the Vietnamese guy, he falls right into that. Like, he will not break oh, character. Oh, here we go. That. I didn't think we were going to bring this I'm up. I'm a again. lead farmer, motherfucker. <laughs> and the fact that Robert Downey Jr. in the same year was able to do Tony Stark and Kirk Lazarus, Osiris. It's, it's in the testament to who he is. And don't forget, he also did Charlie Chaplin. Talk about a fucking resume. You want to go back, kids? This is an easy one. So yeah, yeah, yeah it really uh, was. Robert so, Downey Jr. Hey, you and Cameron Diaz. Who said you guys would never get together? Hey! All right. Who was your favorite actor or actress? There wasn't really any actresses in this. This was oh, a, the this fuck was wrong with you? So fucking no. You're so misogynist. There were no actresses in this. No, no I'm female. not saying no. I'm not saying there's no vagina. Only to reason be found why I'm saying that because I'm going through the whole movie and I'm trying to think: was there one single female no, in this there, movie? Is there? <laughs> I mean, you got Christine Taylor. No, I'm talking about like that played a in the nope. playing her in mom. Movies. Yeah, and it, yeah. But no, I'm talking about like that had a consistent role. No, no. This was this was a sausage fest. Yeah. Who was your favorite actor or actress or artist in Tropic Thunder? Let us know in the comments and let's move on to cast, crew, or you. We have uh, some great guests lined up today. All right, our first guest is an actor, writer, and more. He wrote and starred and directed in the Ben Stiller show, which he was also a co-creator on. He's graced the camera in a number of Ben Stiller vehicles, such as Reality Bites, The Cable Guy, and of course, Tropic Thunder, among other non-Stiller-related productions that we'll definitely get into. Uh, Jeff, thank you very much for taking the time to talk with us today. Is the first guest more important than the second guest in this show? Absolutely. Every time. Okay. Yes. Cut, cut that part out. As long as that's defined, because this is this is top tier talent show right here. It's very much so. I mean, star search each your heart out. You are first build, sir. All right, let's talk about Tropic Thunder. The so this was Ben Stiller's satire on acting on 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 filmmaking in general and it was done brilliantly for anybody that's been on a set you can the, the nuance is there you're featured early in the film you, you play the uptight waiter in the uh in the fatties trailer french waiter yes french very, yes <laughs> yes and very very well played as well <laughs> so when you're shooting a trailer i was curious when i saw this is it scripted as we see it yeah yeah okay yeah, so it's, it's... it's a trailer. so the uh, i was lucky Super lucky because I actually got to work a couple days punching that movie up with a lot of people. Mm -hmm. um, so uh, there was like a room with really funny people. So I knew the script before I before I was asked. Before Ben asked me, come in and do this, you know, French waiter thing. Um, so they 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 wrote the trailers like trailers, and that's the that's sort of the teaser of the uh, right uh, of, of the movie itself i believe it's the first scene you are the first actor we see on screen yeah mm -hmm. yeah so that's funny so that's why and so now i remember so, so my yes. name my name comes up first in the credits that was astonishing because when i when i went to the screening and, they, and the credits come up it's like 
Jeff Kahn. So yeah, so yeah, it's written the the different trailers for the different, um, and they were also what parroting trailers, right? Yes. The 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 big movie, the what, what uh, Eddie Murphy <laughs> playing every different role, and then the the art movie where the two guys, the Brokeback Mountain, kind exactly. of, yeah. Exactly. <laughs> what was it? Was that the one where there were medieval monks? Yeah, Tom to McGuire yes. and RDJ going at it. You know, <laughs> so funny. That one I loved. Yeah, yeah. I'd, go, I'd go see it. That's really fun. So yeah, so yeah, that's and because of that, that that scene actually took a couple of days to shoot. It, it was you know because um, Jack had to come out and do the different characters and reshoot the scene for in every different character's POV. And there's a lot of like little, you know, there was a camera crew that did the close-ups of the of the hand, my hand and the hitting a glass. And so there's a crew doing that. And then there's another, so like two crews are shooting at the same time to get mm -hmm. everything done. You know, Ben's, you know, it's a really good filmmaker and he's very, um, he thinks like a filmmaker as you can, you know, you can see in MIDI. I mean, yeah, I mean, he really Tropic has a visual Thunder. sense. I mean, Tropic Thunder is is not only was he f flexing his amazing body that I did not know he had, but he was also he was also flexing his directing skills and oh, yeah. filmmaking skills because you could put that movie up with the wartime movies that it is yeah. parodying. It is yeah. it is the cinematography. I mean, John Toll, uh, I mean, John Toll is going on to do Matrix Four. So yeah. I mean, it's, it's almost like the most serious, funny action movie, military-wise ever, because it's it's not shot as if a joke. No, no, no. But Ben, but that's what that's Ben's thing, right? That's and Ben's idea of comedy, it's serious, right? Even though it's a parody and a satire, you know, there's parody elements in it, and it's very satirical uh, about Hollywood, about filmmaking, about actors, about um, agents, about the world behind, you know, the the sort of behind the scenes world of that. And, and, and there's even high farce in that, you know, with, with him doing, acting out the character for the, for the people in the, in the drug camp. Like, so there's a lot going on, but he, even within all of that comedy, you know, he wants to make it look great. Mm -hmm. He's yes. always wanted to make those shots to make the product look good all the way back to Elvis stories. He is very insistent on how it was going to look. Was there ever a moment while you were doing that where like between uh, you and Ben, where it's like, this is like the old days? I don't have a lot of, Ben was really busy, but what I did have time to do was to improvise, play around. Like there's a lot of downtime. Jack and mm -hmm. I, I would be, not me, the French guy I was doing, like I had a character in my head, like, as I said, like, I'm like, this guy who's not working as an actor and he does a French accent. And so he gets this role and I had a whole thing in my head and to do, so I could do this character. Right. Yeah. So he wouldn't be Jeff Kahn. So he'd be some other guy. And so I'm just playing around with Jack. Like, we're just like, I would talk to him as if he was the sister, the real sister. And I'm oh, like, you, look, you know, it's like, and I'd be like, kind of cute. <laughs> and, and Jack would be like, no, and I'm like, yeah, no, you are you're hot and so we're like between takes i'm talking to his character and my character 
Man, he doesn't break till DVD <laughs> commentary. <laughs> yeah, that's so you're just a guy playing, playing a guy, guy playing, playing a guy. Yeah, there All you right. go. That's a My perfect. God. That's a uh, perfect segue. What was it like working with Jack Black? That's it. It was fun. He's really fun. I I knew I knew Jack for a long time. You know, I, I was peripheral uh, performer in the Actors Gang, which was Tim Robbins' theatrical mm -hmm. group that Jack was a part of. I got to work with them a little bit, and then John Cusack developed. He uh, created his own theatrical group in Chicago called um, New Crime Players, New Criminals, I believe. And which and so it was based on Commedia d'arte, which is a, a way of acting that I, a style of acting from the Italian Renaissance that we learned that Tim was doing and then John wanted to do it. And, and Jack was a part of that uh, company. And so I, I knew Jack for a long time. This, this movie, did had did not short for talent. I mean, even people from from the, just the smallest character to the smallest parts. I mean, one word characters. Everybody had their moments. Let me ask you this: Who was your favorite character? You know, I saw it a bunch of times, and I think each time I might groove on some new character. I I mean, of course, I loved this is, and you could never do this now. And I don't even know if it's even. It's so bad. Sick that shit up, man. What what's his name? The 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 Australian uh, the, um, <laughs> actor that was playing. He's in blackface. He's in blackface. The pigmentation surgery. <laughs> yes, that performance is so good, though. Yes. It's yeah. so subtle yeah. and amazing, and yes, and he's he's so he's so good. It's so yeah. wrong. <laughs> it's so good. But is it wrong though? Because. We talked. We talked, but when I watched this the first time, I didn't know it was him. I completely did not know it was him the entire time. Yeah. My favorite memory from the set is that Anne and Jerry were there. So that's mm -hmm. my favorite memory, because whenever I saw Jerry and Anne, I felt like I was a kid again back in New York, and living with Ben. And those were my New York parents. Yeah. And I loved them, and and they loved me, and they were so nice and supportive and loving to me and that they were both there um and you know and i got to talk to them and hang out with them and hug them and kiss them and talk to jerry who was always such a supporter of mine and ann was always so funny i i actually uh, got to punch up a movie that ann was in once too and i got to see her on set as well and that was that to me was the big treat that i got to you know spend like a day of kicking it with with Jerry and Ann, my, you know, people who opened up their arms and heart to me when I was in New York, and, and uh, I'm forever grateful to them and to Ben for that. That's something I've always appreciated about Ben Stiller's films, is it feels like a family affair. Like, it, it feels like a very close-knit set where he has people that are close to him always involved in some kind of way, so it must make for a really, um, just a really positive atmosphere in the production. Harry Ballstein. <laughs> Zoolander. Yes, sir. Thank you for everything. And hey, again, good luck to you and your career. I know your time is coming, sir. Trust me in that because I've said it. It's going to happen. I I appreciate okay, it. Okay. Yeah, I, I, I'm very happy to be to get to get a, a, a recurring role as a teacher in a major university. Oh, there you go. <laughs> oh my okay, God. I'd be very happy for that. That would be that would be lovely. Yes, sir. Thank you again. Have a good All night. Right. Bye. 
Our next guest was born in New York and currently works in Hollywood. For over three decades, he has been putting the craft into practice, appearing in films and TV shows such as Quantum Leap, uh, Golden Girls, Blossom, Grace Under Fire, Stargate, Independence Day, Married with Children, Volcano, Godzilla, Scrubs, Entourage, Weeds, Blades of Gory, Family Guy, Raising Hope, <laughs> It's Always Sunny in Philadelphia, True Detective, and much more. He has starred in a handful of Ben Stiller projects, including Zoolander, Starsky and Hutch, Little Fockers, and of course, Tropic Thunder. Thanks so much to David Pressman for joining us today. Absolutely. Hey, guys. Well, you know why we, we have you here. Let's talk about it. You brought it up and he brought it up. Let's talk about Tropic Thunder, one of the, I, I call it one of the most what, famously underrated films of all time because people just don't understand what it is. What Can you tell us about the overall experience and what, what was that set like? I know it had to be insane. Uh, yeah, that was a blast. Uh, I like, first of all, I like how you guys went through the cast of Tropic Thunder. You went all the way down to the bottom. We could probably get this guy. <laughs> let's let's get this dude. And I asked Ben oh, Stiller, fine. I asked Jack Black. They they did yeah, Brandon they T. Jackson, he's on, on the, the fence. fence, so we'll see. <laughs> yeah, I'm surprised you couldn't get Brandon actually. <laughs> that was uh that was fun. That was um that was three weeks in Kauai, which was awesome. Uh, uh there was a lot of drinking. Uh a lot of the actors that had smaller parts like I did, we all hung out. We, in fact, we mostly hung out with Steve Coogan, who is uh, a madman in a yeah. great way. But that whole, I mean, it was it was great. I, I don't think I knew then, because I think that movie is awesome, as you guys do, obviously, because you're dressed up and you're doing all that kind yes. of stuff. <laughs> yeah, you really love that movie. I don't know, like, it was just such a great experience. Um, ben... You know, he really knows what he wants as a director, as an actor. He's, uh, you don't want to screw around with him. He's really focused. Uh, all those guys were nice. Downey, uh, Jack Black, um, Bill Hader, just all so nice. I remember one time, there was one really funny thing where um, Nick Nolte was sitting in his director's chair off to the side and suddenly he just leans back and he falls right over into this mud pit, but he doesn't move. He just is still kind of sitting in the chair while he's laying down in the mud pit and just crew guys just have to lift him up. And he just had, he had like no reaction. Uh, that was kind of funny. Talking about being in character. No, yeah. <laughs> was, yeah, he was definitely that guy. That's awesome. Yeah, you get to, once you get to a certain level, you don't yeah. have to pick yourself up. Yeah, you don't even say oops. No. Yeah. Just, <laughs> somebody waited. There's a Jacob waiting. Yeah, they wouldn't have done that for me. Um, I just so, one story. If I uh, just on the way, yeah. uh, I'm going. Um, uh, my friend uh, Matthew Levin, who was also cast in the movie, he plays the cameraman, and we're on a flight to Kauai, and I'm afraid of flying, so I. I'm taking alcohol, maybe a Xanax. I don't recommend it for everybody, but I have to like be out of it. So by the time the plane's in the air, I'm like, wee, I, I love this. <laughs> so um, an actress named Valerie Aslan was next to me. She plays Steve Coogan's assistant. And I'm chatting her up because she's attractive and stuff. And then if for some reason, I'm, I just say, and I'm kind of wasted at this point, And I just say, you're gonna have sex with so many people on this set. And she just looks at me and she goes, yeah, okay. And she gets up because she's repulsed. 
<laughs> and she goes over and sits next to my friend Matt, and now they are married in real life. That is a perfect wingman story. Wow. Uh, yeah. I'm that guy. Let me ask you this. You mentioned before, like you said, when you were working on other sets, you'd be there all day and do a line or two. Well, let me ask you this. How long were you actually on set for? You said, it was it three weeks you were there? How long were you guys there in Kuwait? I was there for a total of three weeks. Three weeks um, I, I mean, there was a lot of stuff that was cut out. So okay. we were there, we were there for a while. Uh, I remember the whole scene with the, with the explosion, you know, when the explosion happens too soon. Mongol in the jungle. Yes, that was awesome. We all had to go back. But when the explosion happens, the heat was so intense and we could feel it for so far away. But just to see that was just really cool and stuff like that. That was awesome. I can imagine. So you, you've worked with Ben Stiller, the actor. You've worked with Ben Stiller, the director. I'm interested, is there, do, do you notice a, a difference in his approach when he's wearing both hats or if, if he's just on in front of the screen? I mean, when he's a director, he's, he, I think he's way more focused. Uh, and uh, I'm trying to say this, and I was going to say not as nice, but I don't want to say it like that. He's just re just really intense. Yeah, and yeah. I think I remember on Zoolander once asking him a question, and he just gave me like a, "Are you fucking kidding me?" Asking this question, I was like, "I'm sorry. I just I just needed to know where I stand." Like he's just really focused and just yeah. wants to get it done. As an actor, he's just like, "Eh, you know." I think sometimes he kind of wants to direct it, but he tries to stand back and let the actual director do it. I think anybody that's ever been on a film set would completely understand what you're saying, how it's not in an asshole way, it's just direct. You have so many things yeah. going on in your heads, you're juggling so many plates, and every question feels like a an assault. You, yeah. <laughs> like, yeah. Yeah. Before we move on from Tropic Thunder, I know you've, you've already given us so much. Is there anything else that you want to share? I mean, it was a blast. It was just to be in Kauai for three weeks, you know, being paid to right. be there and to act with all those, you know, great people. And you really can't ask for much more. And uh, before, and first of all, again, we always like to say thank you for coming on again. But before we let you go, and it doesn't have to be necessarily about film, it could be about life, books, whatever. Is there any parting words you want the people to know or hear anything you want to, energy you want to put out there manifest into the world? Um, wear a mask. Okay. There you go. Hey, hey there you go. The only, actually, the first guest we've interviewed twenty five thousand people. You're the first one to see it. So there you go. You're going on the guest wall. Good one, man. <laughs> hey, th thank you so much again, man. Listen, we'll be following up on you. And like I say, man, listen, nothing but peace and blessings. We wish you consistent work. We know things are going to pick up for you, man. And good luck in the future, sir. Thank you, man. Thanks so much for having me, guys. It was fun. All right. Thank you very much to the guests for joining us today. And let's get on to room for improvement what would we have changed about tropic thunder when you talk about comedies i think comedies lend themselves to always the most room for improvements and the reason why i say that is a lot of comedy is improvised and when you catch comedy goals sometimes you like it's to me film is fluid i'm cool with some shots being out of focus if like they teach when you first do film like audio is more important than visual which you would never think but when the audio is wrong you can't even perceive the visual but with when it comes to comedy i'd rather catch the natural joke than oh the filming was perfect the shot was right the lighting was magnificent but yeah shit was stale mm -hmm. so when you see something like this if i have to be completely honest with you when i talk about room for improvements mine came with continuity 
continuity and things that even I think a first year film student would have caught. Now, granted, the the audio of what we got, did they sacrifice that for the the shots? I think I think it lends itself to what most people aren't confident to talk about, which is that on one end, I'm, I was intimidated as a child when I saw all these lists of people that it took to make this movie. But when I got older and me and you made movies and me and other people made movies and I didn't see all these other people. And furthermore, I was like, the more people we added, the, the less work we got done. Mm -hmm. So you can tell me all day that a thousand people did this. But yet again, it lends to when this great editor does something, Wonder Woman 1984 effect. And then I hand it off. To this guy who I've edited with such and such. Oh, I was on this set. It was the creme de la creme. Yeah, bitch, but you don't know what a sequence looked like. You don't own Premiere. Mm -hmm. So fuck what you've edited. I disregarded any technical qualms with the movie because it's a comedy. So I was, I, it was, there, there's plenty of continuity errors. and Not plenty. It's like there, 14. It's like 14. Uh, that's that's enough. <laughs> yeah. Um, when you have that many people on crew, somebody should be catching this shit. Right. But I stuck more to what bothered me from, like, a story standpoint. And the one thing that has always bothered me from the first time I saw this movie was the logistics of how they would go about filming this movie that, that Cockburn wanted to shoot the alternate, the alternate way, like, guerrilla style. So he has a few... They show us a few cameras set up in the trees. Cockburn has his camera that he's going to be following them around from a distance. But we know that there's so much more that goes into even a guerrilla style film to make it look and sound like a film that could ever plausibly be put out by Hollywood, which this movie was. Les Grossman is the fucking exec on it. So you think he's going to get these dailies and accept something that are some surveillance shots from static cameras up in the trees that could no way anticipate where exactly they're going? I know they have the map. But there's no fucking way they have enough cameras and coverage with one camera guy following them around and the and, and random cameras set up in trees to get these boring ass static surveillance shots. No sound, no lighting. They're working improv, which which I I gather most of these actors don't have the ability to do. So I just I I'm bothered by the logistics of what got them out there to start this whole thing. I think one thing that you are missing when you say that is the fact that you've done several movies, you've been on big projects, you've been on small projects, and none of the projects you've been on has enough, never has a key grip walked up to you and it punched you in the fucking face because a director from 10,000 miles away said they didn't like that you blew a $4 million shot. And what I mean by that is this. You have to understand what that does to a man. You're a they say he's a first-time director. You have all these A-list actors, these individual people who cannot be insured, and you've tried to do this movie the best way you know how, and that has all failed. So you take a bottle of tequila, you meet Nick Nolte's character which is not really a character this murderer as you say he says you got to put him in the shit he was pushed to that fucking edge you literally just got punched in the face by the key grip and so after all that i get what I you're saying bro i understand his motives i know his but you don't but you don't clear. because it's never happened no, to you no i yeah, uh, but I watched it in the movie. And Correct. I can and you're seeing no lighting, no sound. So, That's only what they showed us. You have to understand. He blew four million. He didn't blow the whole budget. No, he still had but money. You we saw don't... who came out there in the helicopter. I saw Cody, Pyro, the liar. And him. I yeah. didn't see anybody else. So that, I didn't see Tuck, Tuck, and Kim. That's who we have on the crew. That and we he saw. Even, he even said, 
we're going we're going rogue on this. We're but the problem is the camera he had is the same camera that I saw you film film with before years, about 10, 15 years ago was with the uh, XL1. Yeah. And you didn't have sound. I'm, and you didn't have lighting. But you did a movie, did I, you not? Did you not? not? Yes not, or no? Not a movie that got sold. <laughs> definitely definitely a movie that Les Grossman would have had me punched in the face for. So he's he. I understand his motives, but he's going out there ill prepared. There's the, the logistics of try, of trying to get a movie shot under those circumstances with what he went out there with, with what we were shown. That's all that I, I can only judge it by what I was shown. What True. the movie showed me. True. A few cameras up in the trees, and him wandering around with a camera. No sound, no lighting, some pyrotechnics. That's not going to get the movie Les Grossman wants. So I understand the motives, the logistics don't make sense. But guess what, David? He had lighting, sound, and everything. He wasn't getting the movie he wanted. So he gives uh, a fuck if he doesn't have that. That's like all I'm I saying. Said, the motives are there. What do you say? You got to get gritty. You got to put him in the shit. He was, and he said, it. oh, yeah, gorilla style. Well, guess what, gorilla style? You, when you're a gorilla, you don't get to tell me how to shit. Okay, yeah. I'm just saying it bothered me. And that is how we do it. That's what we would have changed. What would you, what would you have changed? And <laughs> let's, uh, let's get on to fucks given. How many fucks do you give out uh, of five? How many fucks do you give Tropic Thunder? I give Tropic Thunder five fucks. The reason why I give it five fucks is in a world where we live in it is so fucking PC where people can't say what they like to say. This film took a shot at racism. It took a shot at retardation. It took a shot at homosexuality. It took a shot at Hollywood execs. It took a shot at white privilege. It took a shot at black satire. People tried to chop this film down in every standpoint that they could but the one thing that the film stood on was hey man it's comedy comedy is the one reason why the world has not killed each other because our differences if we can laugh at them we can get by but when we talk down and belittle people because of differences war happens so we have to be careful with our differences there you go that's the trailer uh i give it four out of five all right and the, the good things i think about it i think it was for comedy the attention to detail was awesome i like I noticed that Danny McBride's character, Cody, he's uh, he works in pyrotechnics. Shout out. Shout out to him. He very good job. They, they took the time to put the pros a prosthetic on his ear from a previous explosion that went wrong. In what movie? Well. What movie? Come on, David. Come on. Driving Miss Daisy. Daisy. Yeah, motherfucker. Yeah. 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 There you go. But, yeah. No, there was an accident on Driving Miss Daisy, but not specifically. No, but Freaky Friday with Jamie Lee Curtis is where it really happened. That he said it. Well, he fucked up something, somebody else, but he never, it never specifies what happened to his ear, which is why I love this so much. Because he said I lost an appendix in, in war, too. He says that. <laughs> and they took the time to put that prosthetic. That, that takes some time to do that. Um, the cinematography, again, shout out to John Toll. That was amazing. It, the, the dialogue reads like a comedy. The visuals play like a summer blockbuster war film. Like, it is shot and edited just as well if not better than most war films that it's parodying which you don't usually see in a, like a satire or parody they you know but they 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 did awesome on both of those the reason why it lost one fuck for me is because the movie has a crazy ensemble it's got it's got so many funny people in it from ben stiller jack black Danny McBride, Jay Burchell. My issue with it is though is that Robert Downey Jr. with Tom Cruise, sometimes Matthew McConaughey are pretty much carrying the movie with the other characters picking up the ball seldomly. Coffee Town. You have a movie with uh, a lot of comedians, 
and they all were 100% funny and took advantage of every single moment. That's why I can't give this five the way I gave Coffee Town, because as funny as this movie is, it's hilarious, it's done well, but there are, with as many funny people as they have in it, imagine how much more hilarious it would be if they took advantage of every opportunity the way Coffee Town did. Alright, so I know you love the Rotten Tomatoes scores, so you gave it a 5, I gave it a 4. Rotten Tomatoes, it holds an 82% average with critic, 70% average audience score. Kyle M. in the IMDb audience review says, One of the smartest comedies I've ever seen. It's hyper self-aware. And on the other side of things, another audience reviewer by the name of Peter B. says, A pretty bad movie. Yeah, Not Pe very funny either. Peter B. Peter Bitch. <laughs> yeah, that's what it sounds like to me. <laughs> And I All mean right. that in a male type of way. Let's get on to our last segment, Coming Attractions. February 11th, the first motherfucking movie in black. Why do I even call it Black History Month? Why can't we just call it back Black History Year? I don't know, man. I oh, know. I know. You want me to, I, I don't have enough time to tell them, but I'll let you tell them the movie we're doing on February 11th. February 11th, we are covering the Django Unchained I'm sorry, I don't, I don't swallow racism well. <clears throat> so, uh, next week, be sure to check out the full-length interviews from today's episode, the full-length highlights, full-length elevator pitch, all the good stuff. Check us out on Patreon, become a patron, and get the episodes early and uncensored, and uh, we will see you February 11th. The Django Unchained, coming back with Quentin Tarantino again. All right, guys, that's the fucking trailer. That's the heat. That's the grease. And when I got fucking grease, guess what? Fish don't fry in the kitchen. Beans don't burn on the grill. Took a whole lot of cheering just to get up that hill. Guess what, man? Now we're up in the big leagues. Getting our turn at that. As, as long as we live, and you and me, baby, and ain't nothing wrong with that. I say we're moving on, on, moving on to season two. When you subscribe, it'll last longer. That's the trailer right there.